This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, Halloween. October 31st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart, dressed as a Noon Business Hour host today. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Stocks made a major comeback in October. We'll look at the possibilities for November and beyond in our next segment. But right now, the week ahead includes an expected rate hike from the Fed and the government jobs report for October. Let's get a preview from Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors, based in Wheaton. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Let's start off with uh, today's uh, report, Chicago PMI, weakening further in the month of October, uh, weakening from 45.2, dropping to 45.2 this month from uh, 45.7 in September. Is that a sign that the interest rate hikes are beginning to take their toll? Well, Rob, I think there's there's a whole bunch of things going on right now. One, clearly the Fed raising interest rates, and you look at housing, Uh, It has slowed down dramatically, so any manufacturing uh, having to do with uh, the housing market would show up in that uh, Chicago manufacturing survey. But also, I I try to remind people of how distorted uh, economic data is. Uh, We have to remember, we locked down the economy, uh, opened up the goods side, So Home Depot, Walmart, Target, Amazon, all of them were open, but services were closed. So, you know, movies, baseball games, Broadway theater, restaurants, and and now that's reversing. People spent way more on stuff, on goods, uh, than they would normally because that was still open and a lot less on services. So now... Uh, You go out and you don't buy as many uh, things for your home, but you go out to dinner more because you didn't get to do it for a long time. And I think we're in that transition right now. So we we can't pay too much attention to just one sector of the economy like manufacturing, especially because services uh, have always been about 70 percent of all uh, consumer spending. And then the Fed expected to raise interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point uh, once again on Wednesday. That part already known. But the big question mark is, do they start talking about maybe half a point or a quarter point later on? Yeah, they, they, they probably will. Uh, but we have to remember that, you know, at least historically, uh, interest rates are about where inflation is. And 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 I get it. There's a lot of different ways to measure inflation. Uh, I would say right now we're probably somewhere around 6%. So in reality, uh, infl- interest rates, at least the one that the Federal Reserve controls, are still pretty low. If we're talking about 
0.5 or 4.25, uh, that that's not a high interest rate in a 6% inflation in, environment. We've just become so used to extremely low rates, extremely low inflation. I think a lot of this is a shock. There's there's no doubt in my mind that we we by locking down the economy, printing all of that money, borrowing all of that money, and giving it to people to spend, we created a sugar high in the economy over the last 12, 14 months. So I do expect a recession next year, uh, and it probably would come whether the Fed raises rates uh, by 75 or 50 or even 25 basis points at the next few meetings. Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors, based in Wheaton. Thanks for joining us. Coming up, what lies ahead for the markets after a big rally this month? The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Historically, odds are really good that stocks will be higher in the next 12 months. Joining us now to explain is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. It's been quite the roller coaster year on Wall Street, and even though uh, October might be one of the strongest uh, performing months for stocks in uh, well over three decades, uh, we're still down on the year. So, what are the odds we could be talking about a comeback 12 months from today? Well, it turns out that I think they're quite decent. I, I measure the odds to be about two out of three, and uh, that's not bad. Uh, those odds are based on uh, a couple hundred years of U.S. history, and the, it turns out that the market's odds of rising over any given 12-month period are exactly that, two out of three. And the crucial point about that calculation is that those two out of three odds apply regardless of whether it's coming off a year like this one in which the market's done poorly or whether it's coming off a good period in the market. Uh, We tend to think the market goes in trends, so we'll say this is a down year as though that means it'll continue or it's an up year, in which case we'd hope the market's trend will continue. But it turns out that that is just not the case. The market tends to not necessarily follow whatever has happened year to date. It's an interesting uh, through line of analysis that I have uh, come to discover over the course of one year as the regular host of this show and six years of doing it uh, off and on. And that is a lot of the analysis about trends in not only the markets, but also the economy at large, either break down along the lines of correlation versus causation or assuming that current trends will stretch out forever. That's absolutely right. Indeed, it's a very humbling thing for all of us, especially myself, trying to make sense of the markets. Much of the market's short-term movements are are random. And uh, I think perhaps one of the best analogies, which I think we all can intuitively grasp immediately, is, uh, is let's say that you or I had flipped five heads in a row when flipping a coin. Would there be a greater than 50-50 odds of flipping a head on the sixth of those flips? And the answer is no, it's always 50-50. And though the market is not exactly the same as flipping a coin over the short term, it is probably almost as random uh, as, as a coin flip. So we tend to say things like, oh, well, it's a down year or it's an up year as though that tells us what's going to happen in the future. But it just is not the case, just the same way that 
any streak of flipping heads or tails on a coin doesn't tell you about what's going to come next on the next flip. So if you're concerned about your assets, uh, especially after a, a difficult year like 2022, you know, when they talk about uh, look at things in terms of time horizons, uh, this just proves their point. Well, that's right. Now, of course, we're talking here about relatively short term, even though we tend to think of the year as a, as a long time, and it is. But uh, the uh, what uh, financial planners and uh, and researchers tell us over and over again is that the only predictability in the market that really makes any difference is predictability over the long term. You can look at any of the indicators that uh, have met the test of time, and they tell you virtually nothing about the next year, but they will have a relatively good track record when it's predicting 10 or 15 years out. And that's why I say it has to be over the very long term. So over the short term, I'd say the market is, uh, is more or less random, but over the long term, it may be hard for us to imagine coming back in 10 or 15 years and having a follow-up conversation, but uh, that's where the odds uh, really get to be interesting in terms of predictability in the market. The rest of the time, it's probably closer to a coin flip than we'd like to admit. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, The Boat Show returns this January. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The oasis in the middle of the winter. Chicago's The Chicago Boat Show returns this January after a two-year hiatus. We welcome in Keith Ogulnick, manager for the last 20 years of the Chicago Boat Show, or Keith, should I say the boat show because uh, that commercial uh, always a signpost uh, for our year at least on the broadcasting side of things uh, when Christmas ends we always know the boat show season begins and it's great to have you back Rob it is so great to be on with you and, and, and listen I think you took all the thunder away from me by saying oasis in the middle of winter and the boat show is back we're, we're so excited to be coming back, no doubt about it. It's uh, interesting. Um, the first cancellation in 2021 was because of the pandemic, and there was still a lot of trepidation about large gatherings and vaccines had just been introduced. But I seem to recall the 2022 cancellation had less to do with the pandemic and more to do with the fact that uh, there were no boats to buy. Very true. One of, one of the things, if there's anything positive that came out of the pandemic, and it's really hard to express that, was that outdoor, uh, outdoor recreation just skyrocketed. People were spending more time together. Families were spending more time exploring things they hadn't done before. And as a result, for those two years, over 800,000 new boat owners came into the marketplace. And so it really became a supply issue. It was so red hot that the factories couldn't keep up with it. The dealers didn't have product. So without boats, hard to have a boat show. And what is the uh, the state of uh, the supply chain in the boat manufacturing industry right now? I mean, obviously, uh, good enough to put on a show in January. Absolutely. And what we're seeing is that certainly the factories have caught up. Um, you know, with the supply chain issues, as you know, it, it affects everything from fabrication to electronics and everything else. And it takes a very long time to get caught up. It's to the point now where the dealers are starting to get product again. Uh, the pipeline is ultimately you know, going to need to be filled up once again. And so couldn't be a better time really to get the show going again. 
uh, and, and we're just so excited to be back. Four years ago, I was at the boat show, and uh, there's a really just a whole gamut of watercraft uh, available to be uh, gawked at, and, and, and you can look at and inspect from uh, fishing power boats to yachts to sailboats. Uh, you know, what, you know, for the average person who comes into the boat show, uh, what are they looking for, and can they actually buy when they are there? Can they actually go in there and buy that million-dollar yacht if they want to? If they want to, absolutely. And that's one of the things that's so unique about the show is it is very much a buying event. And and you had mentioned Oasis at the outset, which I, I love to talk about, because in the dead of winter, post-holidays, typically the Bears are not doing much. I'm hopeful going into the future that they will. But um, it, it takes people in a whole different place when all of a sudden they're like, what are we going to do? We've got months ahead of us before the nice weather comes. So it takes them to a different place. We really try to turn McCormick Place into... Uh, again, that word oasis, get people's minds off of what they're dealing with. And again, everything from inflatables all the way up to those 52-foot yachts, anything you need, accessories, electronics, a fun gadgets, you can all find it there. So it's a great place to escape. And Keith, uh, before I let you go, I hate to uh, step on our sales department, but uh, will we hear the boat show jingle on WBBM uh, between now and January 8th? You'll hear something, Rob. I just can't guarantee what it's going to sound like. <laughs> All right, Keith, thank you so much. Keith O'Gulnick, manager for the last for the last 20 years of the Chicago Boat Show, coming to McCormick Place uh, starting January 11th and running through Sunday, January 15th of 2023. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Members of the Supreme Court conservative majority are questioning the continued use of affirmative action in higher education during arguments in Washington today. This is Rachel Pearson. A new study looks at movement across state lines after ending federal abortion protections. More than half of adults in a new survey say they've stopped or reduced their retirement savings contributions because of inflation. We'll discuss staying the course. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of ideas from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 57 points. The NASDAQ is down 73. The S&P 500 is down 18. 56 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. Going up to 61 today. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. The role of race and college admissions being considered by the U.S. Supreme Court. Here's CBS News correspondent Steve Kathan. Patrick Strawbridge, an attorney for the group that brought the cases against policies at two universities, questioned by Justice Clarence Thomas about leaving race out of admissions information. If you don't include that, what do you include on the application? Well, you include their experiences, you include where they grew up, you might include their, you include their socioeconomic status. Lower courts upheld the policy. Ryan Park is North Carolina's Solicitor General. The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill seeks to fulfill Brown's vision by assembling a student body that is diverse along the many dimensions that matter in American life, including race, 
but also social class, geography, military status, intellectual views, and much more. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. A new study takes a look at abortion trends in the wake of the Roe v. Wade overturn. Since the Supreme Court ended federal protections, the number of abortions nationwide fell by more than 10,000, or about 6%. That's according to the Society of Family Planning's first attempt at a count of abortions since the decision. In states where abortion remained legal, the number of procedures increased. Illinois reported roughly 2,700 more abortions in July and August compared to April and May. It's more than any other state. Planned Parenthood of Illinois was prepared for the surge of out-of-state patients, hiring more doctors, expanding clinic hours and space. Rachel Pearson, 105.9 WBBM. It's 12.32. The Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager with Kingsview Asset Management based in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Uh, there have been some hints that the uh, the sell, they're, they're trying to take back uh, some of the, uh, trying to gain, you know, take back some of the losses from earlier today, but they're just not quite able to get over the hump investors are just yet. What's the major trend driving the markets today? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot going on. Obviously, it's Halloween. But the other part of it this week is loaded with uh, earnings uh, just as much as, as last week. We have a Fed meeting on Wednesday, and they're going to announce uh, what they're going to be doing with interest rates, probably hiking by three-quarters of 1%. But more importantly is what does Chair Powell say in the press conference afterwards And then Friday, we have the unemployment data. So there's a lot going on this week, and I'm thinking that investors may not want to get too far out in front of that news flow that's that's happening. The uh, era of good feelings on Wall Street that's been underway for at least uh, two weeks stems from the belief that the uh, Fed will start to uh, level off the uh, the 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 trajectory of interest rate hikes, that it'll be three quarters of a percent this week, but then next month it may be half and potentially a quarter beyond that. Uh, if Chairman Powell comes out and says, oh, no, it's uh, 75 basis points this month and next month, and maybe we'll think about uh, half a point in January, what happens? <laughs> I'm thinking the market's not going to take that very well. Yeah, to put that lightly. Uh, <laughs> And that's and that's part of what's behind the move that we've we've seen over the last couple of weeks, where the markets have tacked on ten percent in just that two week period. It has been there's been some rumblings among some of the governors that you know maybe we need to uh, just kind of sit back for a little bit and see what happens. The monetary policy operates with a lag, and we've just started hiking rates in March, and here we are in in October. We're just now feeling the early early bits of that first rate hike, and we've had a lot more to deal with that really haven't shown up in the economy yet. We're seeing it certainly in, in mortgages and housing, and that's kind of the front end of uh, the impact of, of higher interest rates. It will seep through the rest of the economy, and we'll see those data points probably in the first half of next year. There are a number of uh, Fed tools, uh, now casts, if you want to call them that, uh, that measure kind of inflation on a real-time basis if, if to the extent that you can. And there are a number of signs that, you know, right now, at the present moment, inflation is maybe 6% and not the uh, high 8s, low 9s we've been seeing. Is that something the Fed, you know, the Board of Governors, uh, that some, Chairman Powell, do they pay attention to that? 
They do. Uh, they do pay attention to that, and I think that's part of the reason why we've heard some of the governors talk about maybe we want to settle in and just kind of leave rates where they're at for a little bit and kind of see how things go. Um, but the inflation has shifted. It's shifted from manufacturing to the service side. So certainly we're seeing it in food. We're seeing it in travel. And that is really where the inflation is. I'm not sure that higher interest rates solve that problem. But it, the idea behind hiking rates is uh, forcing people to maybe rethink some of those purchases and back off of uh, making as many uh, purchases as they have been. Retail sales have been up dramatically over the last year, year and a half as we came out of the pandemic. And it's one of the things that, again, that the Fed is really taking a look at is a lot of money that's getting around in the system. And their job is, is to try to remove that as gently as possible. Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager, Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, making sure you don't let inflation sidetrack your retirement savings plans. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Inflation is not only taking a bite out of budgets, but also diminishing contributions to retirement accounts. Let's talk about strategies to avoid falling off the track with Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer with Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us today. Before we talk about people uh, either uh, uh, lowering or suspending or even dipping into their lowering their contributions or dipping into their retirement accounts, you know how many people out there actually start saving at 22 and are very consistent about it all the way up until they retire? You know how many gallants out there uh, exist, and then uh, what's the percentage of goofuses who uh, may not be very consistent about uh, fully funding their retirement accounts? You know, it, that's a great question, Rob, because everyone talks about it. And unfortunately, the way the 401k plans work these days, you have to opt in. You literally have to, to you know, fill out all the paperwork, um, set up the accounts, do all the work that is needed to be done. And, um, you know, most people or a lot of people, I should say, don't go through it. Um, they'd rather have the money today. Um I think that, you know, I remember um, it was a University of Chicago uh, economist in his book called Nudge said, you know, what we should do is just opt everyone in and then you have to fill out the paperwork to get out. Um, it's probably a better way to get more people to save for their retirement. Now, when it comes, I mean, people do this for a variety of reasons. You may encounter an emergency. You simply just cannot make ends meet when prices go up uh, uh, rapidly as they have. And you don't want to say it's some sort of moral failing. Everyone has their reasons for doing it. So if you do find yourself in a bind, it sounds like if you're going to do it, you got to have a plan to put it back. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if you look at the environment today, so rent is up, food prices are up, going out, doing different things is up. The only thing that's actually on sale right now is our, our financial assets. Um, and so I think people need to really look at financial assets as if they were just another expense, especially young people, knowing that, you know, if you, if you, um, you know, save today, it's worth far more in the future. Let me give you a stat that I'd like to uh, share with my kids, and it's, it's around numbers, but if you start, if you put away uh, 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 $1,000 in, um, in let's say the mid 1970s in the S&P 500 and instead uh, what you found was from 1970 through you know call it 2020 
the uh, inflation was up about 350%. Wages are up about 350%. The price of everything that you buy is up uh, about 350%. The S&P 500 is up 6,300%. Um, and so the, you know, really the magic of compounding, particularly in equities, uh, is a very compelling story. Now, I know many of your listeners weren't alive in 1973, but I will tell you, if you start today and look, you know, that much farther out in the future, I, I expect that that relationship will will uh, exist again. And then looking above and beyond the 49-year time horizon that you just laid out, uh, uh, more importantly in the here and now, if you continue contributing to your 401k, you also lower your tax burden next April. That's it. I mean, the 401k is probably one of the best deals out there. Um, It allows you to uh, stash money away tax-free and deduct that uh, contribution from your income Along the way, um, so it's a it's a really a a, a nice uh, a double whammy uh, when it comes to taxes. Absolutely. And then very quickly, Jack, uh, when keeping uh, w- w- if you if you are contributing um, a fixed amount out of your income out of your paycheck every every two weeks or so, uh, should you readjust that based on inflation too, so that your contributions are keeping up? Yeah, I mean it really depends. Um, you know, if you have a, a fixed uh, percentage allocation of your income going into your 401k, let's say, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, your income will kind of track along with inflation. So that should take care of itself. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer with Crescent Capital based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. At this, Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come our Monday Stock Picker. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and helping us out this afternoon is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you have two selections today. Uh, both of which, uh, uh, well, let, let's both of which are uh, fairly well known. Uh, yes, the first stock is Citizens Financial Group. The symbol is CFG. The stock trades for around forty-one dollars a share. Citizens Financial is kind of a super regional bank. Uh, banking stocks, you know, they're frustrating this year. They should be doing better given higher interest rates affecting their positively their net interest margins, but. It seems like Wall Street's more concerned about what uh, an economic recession might do to their business. I think those fears might be overblown a tad. Citizens Financial is coming off a pretty good quarter. Their net interest margin has good momentum. Uh, Earnings estimates have actually risen in the last 30 days, which is unusual for a lot of companies out there. Uh, And yet you can still buy the stock trading at a 28% discount to its 52-week high which is around $57 a share. The last two things that are worth mentioning is the stock trades at, at only eight times its 2023 earnings estimate, and it has a dividend yield of 4.1%. So you get a nice uh, dividend yield. You get paid nicely to wait for the stock to rebound, which I think it will before year end. So that's Citizens Financial, again, trading at $41 a share. And the ticker symbol is CFG. And not only are uh, things looking up for uh, Citizens Financial, uh, the ballpark, which bears their name in Philadelphia, is hosting a World Series game tonight. So uh, things are looking up for the uh, <laughs> Citizens Financial Group. And uh, your next one is a uh, plucky little upstart in the tech community. Or at least it <laughs> <Yeah>. was. 
it was several years ago anyway. The, the stock is Apple, uh, symbol is AAPL. The stock trades for $154 a share. And, and the choice of Apple here really is, is one of kind of that, that, you know, the best house in a poor neighborhood and how investors will flock to that if they want exposure in that particular sector. You know, you've had a lot of blow-ups across the technology spectrum here, and Apple is not one of them. They came out with a pretty good quarter, uh, iPhone 14 Pro, Demand remains strong. In fact, they're kind of capacity constrained. There are other businesses. Uh, the Mac had a tremendous quarter. So they, they came through with a very solid quarter. And, and so if you're an investor out there, primarily an institutional investor that needs to maintain exposure to tech, Apple's kind of the default choice right now, which means they're probably going to get a lot of that tech money that's flowing out of some of these other tech stocks that, that's going to go into Apple. So I would expect that stock to show pretty good relative strength here going forward. So uh, it is a stock we like. Uh, we own both of these stocks, and I think you'll see Apple continue to hold up pretty well. That's Apple. AAPL, the stock trades are about $154 a share. And then very quickly, uh, what's the Dow theory telling you these days? Well, we've had a nice rally, obviously, but the, the primary trend of the market is still bearish under the Dow theory. What will eventually happen, I suspect, is this rally will peter out, and then we'll have a retest of those September lows. And how the market responds to that retest will say a lot about whether the primary trend is ready to change from bearish to bullish. So this is still a rally within a bull, uh, excuse me, a rally within a bear market, according to the Dow theory. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, based in Hammond, Indiana. Thanks for joining us today. His selections on this Stock Picker Monday: Citizens Financial, CFG, and Apple AAPL. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.